The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you ever stopped to think that the best and worst place to live is in your mind? Think about it. We can create our own destiny or our own downfall. It all has to do with the way that we choose to think and see things. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with your host, Dr. Paula Joyce. Dr. Paula is here with her guest experts to show you just how to change that negative way of thinking and see your world in a positive light. Now, here is Dr. Paula. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and I'm grateful you're joining me today. I want to begin by reminding you that you are all part of a global community with fellow listeners in literally every corner of the world. I'm grateful for each and every one of you, and I will let you know about each other by mentioning some of your countries and states each week. There are currently 89 regions around the world where we have listeners. Thank you to all who are listening, with a special thank you this week to our listeners in Egypt, Israel, and Ireland, and in the states of South Dakota, New Hampshire, and Oregon. Welcome, and thank you for your continuing support. Last week, we had a great conversation with Marilyn Lash and Dr. Kelly Orr about post-traumatic stress disorder and traumatic brain injury and how our brain wants to and can heal in ways that we previously did not think possible. Marilyn very clearly identified the symptoms in a way that enables all of us to determine if we or someone we know is experiencing these difficulties. And Kelly talked about he uses some new treatments to help people get their memories and their lives back. Wow. What amazing work. If you missed the live show, be sure to go to paulajoyce.com and listen on demand. Later today, I'm looking forward to Dr. Christine Courtois about the importance of spirituality in healing from trauma and abusive relationships. Choosing to be positive, choosing to think, see, feel, and act in new and healthier ways is the heart of Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. We all have choices, but we can't make the best choices for ourselves if we don't know what the options are. This show provides you with new information on health and healing, with an emphasis on spirituality and the connection between our thoughts, emotions, and physical and mental health. 
We can all choose happiness, gratitude, and positivity. We change the energy in our body and literally become younger, feel lighter, and have more energy as we choose to see the joy, beauty, and love in our lives. My show helps you do that by providing you with new information, perspectives, and techniques, inspirational stories, and guests who are thought leaders in their field, like Dr. Christine Courtois. If you have a question for our guests or are trying to figure out how to find the silver lining in a difficult situation or how to rid yourself of persistent negative thoughts or have a personal story to share, please call during the show to one 866 472 5795 or email now or between shows to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com and the phone number to call between shows is 1214-736-4460 and be sure to grab a pencil and paper now because you're going to need it later in the show for our latest feature. Last week in that new feature, I challenged you to make a list of past traumas that you are willing to work on releasing. This is difficult for most people. They think that if they pretend it never happened, that everything will be fine. The fact is that when we bury our past traumas, they continue to harm us, even if we don't know it. And the problem is that whatever blockage we are experiencing today is so far removed from the past trauma that we don't see the relationship. And it can even be something that appears smaller or unimportant when it really was very important. The challenge then becomes allowing ourselves to see the truth, to feel it, and let it go. For me, my way into seeing the truth of my life was through the spiritual realm. One of my biggest physical challenges has been my scoliosis. It has also been one of my greatest gifts. It was because of my spine was getting worse that I and I did not want to put a steel rod in my back, as my doctors recommended, that I began exploring alternative methods of healing, including spiritual means. In fact, my spine is healing, but most importantly, I began to heal emotionally enough to wake up from the make-believe life that I had created in my mind. As I faced reality, I slowly made changes until my life and my health transformed. As a child, my uncle nicknamed me the Little Klutz because I was always bumping into things. I was covered with black and blue marks. It was only years later, after practicing yoga, that I realized I no longer bumped into things. I had reconnected with my body. I understood this as my first important step towards spirituality and healing from abuse when I heard Dr. Chris Courtois talk about the importance of spirituality in healing trauma. I also like that she talks about healing 
from trauma. Most psychologists who I know don't believe that people can truly heal. They talk about survivors of abuse. The fact is, however, that if you are still breathing, you are actually surviving even if you are still in an abusive relationship. I like the term healing because it reflects my experience and that of my clients. We can overcome our past. We can heal and we can live full, happy lives. My path to healing has involved many aspects of spirituality. I have grappled with the difficult questions of why me? Is there no justice? How could God allow this to happen? Why is there evil in the world? Do I have to forgive someone who has hurt me over and over again? Or isn't it my responsible responsibility to forgive even if the person doesn't admit to having done anything wrong? As I went to deeper levels of healing, the questions and the answers changed. I and my clients find our way through the recognition of the injustices in the world and eventually come to terms with the reality that there is cruelty and that we can't see or know the big picture. At one point, I even remember realizing that I was lucky because the abuse had brought me closer to God and to the life I am living now. And that was another part of my healing path, discovering and nurturing and growing a powerful connection to the spiritual realm. I feel a level level of support and love that I never thought possible. I see the presence of God, my angels and guides everywhere. I see, hear, and feel their communication with me directly and through me to my clients. It's been a journey to cultivate the ability to open up to allowing the divine to work through me. It's the way that I finally felt whole and at peace. It has allowed me to let go of the tormenting thoughts and fears and to see the positive and the healing in everything. We don't always have a choice about what happens to us, but we always have a choice about how we look at our experiences. I've begun to think about the healing process as using feng shui. Just like we clean out our closets and throw away old clothes, we have to continuously examine our relationships, experiences, and attitudes and throw out the ones that are outmoded and don't fit who we are now. As we do, we then have the challenge of living with the void until it gets filled again with healthier relationships, attitudes, and experiences. I call this wandering in the desert between the slavery of Egypt and the joy of the promised land. While we're in this process, we can think about it in different ways. We can believe that we're all alone, for instance, and we'll never have friends or that great job or whatever it is that we are changing, or we can see that we have to say no to what we don't want and then live in the emptiness for a bit until we draw in the people and experiences that are right for us now. Then it's important to notice the one or two or three new friendships or new job opportunities and welcome them with gratitude rather than complaining that we don't have more or that it took so long. 
as we recognize the good in our lives, we are able to bring in even more good. Gratitude is the most powerful place from which to manifest. The other thing that I do while I'm in the transition times is pay attention to what I'm learning. I do believe that there is a divine purpose and that we are here on earth to learn and to grow in love and compassion, to overcome our fears and, and allow ourselves to become the beautiful person who we are meant to be. Carolyn Mace teaches the wisdom that we are in charge of what we want. And God is in charge of the how and the when. It's God's timeline, not mine. And God's timing is always the right timing. While waiting, I have learned to see and appreciate the non-material things I'm gaining, like patience, gratitude, faith, trust seeing and hearing God in all of my experiences, the ability and willingness to relax or listen or just be silent or laugh. I have learned to pause so that God and my guides and angels can help pave the way for me and put me where I need to be at the right time. It's often when I'm relaxing that the best ideas come to me or I get an unexpected email or call that brings blessings. I've learned to stop trying to knock down closed doors because an open door is so much easier and brings me exactly what I need in delightfully surprising ways. My healing has also come through many of the spiritual tools and processes that I've talked about on this show, like aromatherapy, crystals, meditation, sound color and energy healing, acupuncture, prayer, writing, symbols and rituals, breath, my ultimate creative problem solving process, and 21 steps for healing your body, and of course, nature. Just this last weekend, I went to a day-long women's spiritual treat. Retreat. Earlier in the week, I had been, it was a treat also. Earlier in the week, I had been thinking that I was exhausted and really just needed a day away from everything. The timing was perfect. One of my favorite activities involved taking a walk in nature to stimulate creativity. We were told to allow ourselves to be drawn to a specific aspect of nature, take a photograph of it, and write about it. I immediately went to the places with water. I took several photographs and chose two for my writing. One was a waterfall and the other was quieter water with a gorgeous reflection of a large tree. I didn't even notice the tree until I was looking at the photograph afterwards. My eye had been focused on another part of the water and I was pleasantly surprised to discover the beauty of the tree's reflection. I wrote, as I often do, in a flow, without stopping to think or to edit. Here is what I wrote. Water, emotions, change. Flow, stop, reflect. Move fast, loudly, insistently. Move slowly, quietly, calmly. Many speeds, many approaches, all leading us forward. Then rest, integrate, enjoy. 
Above all, take time for awe. True healing comes from the spiritual realm as we transform the negative energy in our bodies into light. My angels and guides have given me a very specific set of exercises that will help you heal regardless of the seriousness of your condition. Everyone who participates in this process will receive a healing from complete cure to noticeable improvement, even if they have a terminal diagnosis or a chronic condition. We all can heal through our limitless higher self. Seven steps for healing the body, seven for healing the mind, seven for healing the spirit. I am offering this as a three-part workshop, 21 Steps for Healing Your Body, from 7 to 9 p.m. on April 8, 15, and 22nd at the Dallas Meditation Center. There is no homework. We will actually perform the 21 steps together during the workshop. As one of my clients, Brother Chi Singh said, Dr. Paula is the real deal. I could feel the angelic guides assisting her. She is compassionate, wise, gentle, and direct, just what the doctor ordered. To experience this for yourself, you can go to my website, paulajoyce.com, for more information and to register. If you cannot come, I also do this privately in person, over the phone, or on Skype, or you can arrange for me to deliver this workshop over a weekend in your city. Now I'm pleased to introduce Dr. Christine Courtois, who is a licensed psychologist. She has received international recognition for her work on the effects of incest, child sexual abuse, and complex traumatic stress disorders, as well as awards from numerous professional organizations. She is a psychotherapist, workshop leader, and consultant. Her approach is based upon respect for the client and his, her life experience. She has two new books out. Her um, e-book is It's Not You, It's What Happened to You, Complex Trauma and Treatment. And it's more for the individual experiencing and healing. And her new professional book is Spiritually Oriented Psychotherapy for Trauma, which she has co-edited. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor. While you're listening to the commercials during our break, go to paulajoyce.com and click on Calendar of Events to see your question for today. Before the second break and at the end of the show, I'll give you something else to do with the question. When you email me, you'll have an opportunity for me to read your email on the show, as I have done with others. So right now, go to my calendar of events page at paulajoyce.com and answer the question of the day on your own paper. And then go to my spiritual services page to read about and register for 
21 Steps for Healing Your Body. I'm already receiving registrations for this powerful process, so be sure to reserve your spot. Stay tuned. We'll be right back for what I know will be a fascinating conversation with Dr. Christine Courtois on the importance of spirituality in healing from trauma. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Time for a fresh perspective. From leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission, Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the life doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit paulajoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the life doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com today. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I hope you went to my website and made a list of some aspects of spirituality that you want to bring into your own life. And right now, we're here with Dr. Christine Courtois, who I'm so grateful to welcome onto the show. And Chris, I just want our audience to know that I had the good fortune of co-chairing a conference in Dallas that you spoke at, and that was how we initially got to know each other. And so I'm grateful for the personal connection and that you are here on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to join you, Paula, and to follow up on that training, and you really picked up on a lot of the issues that were involved in that training. 
Yes. Well, you were fabulous, as you always are, which is why I wanted you on the show. And I love what um, your the new direction that you're taking or that you're bringing into public awareness and to awareness for other professionals about the importance of spirituality. And I know some people don't understand the difference between religion and spirituality. So would you like to clarify that for us, please? Sure. Um, I'm going to clarify it in a a general way. And also, Paula, I want to start by saying that I'm in agreement with a lot of what you um, said in your introduction and um, that I, too, am someone who's on a journey and trying to find um, spirituality and, and ways to um, be more spiritual, um, you know, so I don't pretend to be the expert or to have all of the answers, but uh, I'm on a quest, as everybody else seems to be. Um, Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. When we talk about spirituality, I think we're talking um, very personally in, in terms of what is meaningful to the individual, and it's the personal or the emotional and experiential sense involving a quest for or a search for the divine or the sacred and something larger than the self. Um, And it also involves finding some kind of meaning. And um, and another author has written um, about spirituality as involving connection um, with something larger um, having compassion for the self and for others, and also um, community service and being involved in the community. So, you know, I think broadly we can say that these are all issues that are involved being beyond the self or larger than the self. In contrast to that, spirituality is, is more um, narrowly defined as um, involving... Um, did I say spirituality? I meant religiosity is more narrow, narrowly defined as involving a, um, a more organized set of beliefs and practices having to do with an organized faith tradition. Um, some people actually say it's more organizationally oriented or more corporate, if you, if you think about religion um, in a corporate kind of way. So that's following more traditions. There are some... Um, researchers who don't see a big difference between spirituality and religiosity, but I think they focus on two different things, and um, individuals can have both, um, or some individuals profess to be spiritual and to not have any organized religious beliefs, um, or vice, vice versa. I think it's hard to be religious without spirituality, but I think there are people who follow their own um, religion in a way that um, might, might not tend to the same definition that we just gave on spirituality. Thank you for clarifying. And, and I think one thing, too, about spirituality is that it can cut across religions um, so that we can all share similar beliefs without the divisiveness or separate separation that religion sometimes can create. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. That's a really, really important point. And 
Um, you know, another aspect about um, religion in particular or religiosity is that it can really be positive or it can have um, negative elements to it as well, as you just suggested. And so um, in terms of healing um, and healing from trauma, we really want to stay um, with the positive, as you were stressing. But we have to recognize that there are some elements of religious uh, religion historically, um, even up until the present, that are used for purposes that are very contrary to spirituality and very contrary to humankind and the interests of humankind. So um, it can go both ways. I've even read some people who refer to the kind of thing you're talking about as religious abuse. Yes. Um, so, and, 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 and religious myth. And religious misuse, you know, when there is a set of beliefs or practices that is used to justify or rationalize or support abusive practices. Yes, and then it becomes very confusing for people because they believe um, these things and yet it's maybe telling them that they're bad or wrong um, with what they're doing and the way they're living their lives when in fact, from a broader perspective, when you get away from the specifics of that religion, it's not necessarily sinful or bad or wrong. Yes. Yes, and that can be very limited, limiting to the individual. Um, and, 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 and as you're saying, it can affect their self-esteem very dramatically, um, how they feel about themselves, what their beliefs are about themselves. And as you were stressing earlier, um, you know, challenging beliefs, established beliefs, opening things up, Letting um, alternatives in is um, a very important component of healing, and yet some religions being very closed and very fundamentalist in their orientation really work against that. Exactly. And so how do you deal with these things within the context of a therapeutic relationship? Well, I think that um, an important element of this um, to talk about is that the therapist really n- needs to to be careful about imposing any kind of religious or, or spiritual belief. So that's not what we're talking about. But what we're talking about is leaving space for these issues to come into treatment and really attending to them. Um, in fact, one of my colleagues, Dr. Laura Brown, has written a book on cultural issues in psychotherapy and really looks at spiritual issues and religious issues as a diversity variable that therapists really ethically must pay attention to. So if a client brings up religious issues or spiritual issues or raises questions, and you raise some of the um, predominant questions we hear with trauma survivors in particular, why God, why me, Um, am I being punished, have I been doomed, does God hate me? All of those kinds of things are quite common and really um, can be brought into treatment and can be discussed in terms of helping the client to um, address them, possibly to challenge them, um, and to to recognize things uh, more broadly. Um, in, for example, a way of understanding, you know, why God, why me, 
may be to help the client understand that um, oftentimes traumatic incidents are random um, and individuals get caught up in them in a random kind of way. And so understanding that really takes the individual, in a sense, out from under the microscope. Now, when the abuse, uh, when, when the trauma is more interpersonal and especially when it involves family members, uh, related individuals, friends, colleagues, um, et cetera, then it becomes more complicated because there's a degree of betrayal trauma um, that accompanies the trauma and the individual uh, often does feel like he or she has been set up for uh, mistreatment or abuse and that makes for a more complicated um, scenario, but those are important issues to address as part of the healing process. Yes, and I think, I, I don't know if you use this, but one of the things I like to do is to look at what am I learning um, or with my client, what are, what are you learning? What are you gaining? What's the silver lining? How is this um, experience and your healing from it helped you to, um, to grow in your life? Maybe to be more compassionate, maybe, to, maybe it becomes your work um, in helping others. Right. And Paula, the only thing I'd like to say about that is that there is an, an area now that's being addressed as post-traumatic growth and there's a, a wide recognition that, you know, adverse events can have silver linings. But what we have to be careful about as therapists in particular and also as friends and relatives and supporters is that we don't move to that too quickly because for clients who are still struggling with what happened to me and the damage done or the hurt and injury, they um, may feel very discounted. And, you know, that's something that we've heard a lot from traumatized people. You know, they just want me to get on with it or they just want me to find the silver lining and, you know, I can't do that and now I feel even worse about myself. So, um, you know, what you're raising is a very important dimension but usually it comes after the client has really assessed the impact and come to understand what happened to them and then is moving towards sort of containing it within their lives. And, you know, it may be a real um, benchmark for them or a real um, opening for them to be able to recognize that there has been something that is positive that has come from very adverse circumstances. Um, Yes, I I agree with what you're saying, and I think it ties in with some of our previous shows. I I think another way of what you're saying is that the client needs time to feel um, the pain of what happened because so often when we're experiencing it, we shut down and, and close off to the feeling, and then we have to allow ourselves to go back there, feel it, and let go. Right. And, Paula, I really wanted to underscore, um, you were saying that in your introduction, I wanted to underscore that one of the things that we've learned about traumatic experiences is exactly what you're saying, that many individuals, in the interest of coping and in the interest of adapting to whatever adversity they had in their lives, often avoid it. Um, and they cut it off and they try to get on, you know, try to get back to normal and get into whatever is normal um, in the interest of avoiding the pain and in the interest of putting it aside. And what's been learned is 
that actually can keep it going, as you mentioned. And so an approach that needs to be taken is to face it, is to feel it, not to cut it off. And that allows, um, paradoxically, that allows it to be processed and um, arrive at some point of resolution, at which point the symptoms the individual has um, are likely to begin to diminish. Um, and in the course of really working with something rather than avoiding it, it's a chance to really look at what was the impact? Um, how did I make sense of this? What are the spiritual dimensions of this? How have I, um, you know, again, how has, has this changed me or modified me? What's the meaning I've made of this? And all of these are points for discussion in therapy and hopefully um, and trauma often brings with it a lot of misinformation and a lot of misconstrual on the part of the victim. Um, so in the course of discussing it and bringing in new information, um, the individual is often quite relieved of, of the pain and the burden that's being carried around. For example, if I were raped and I think, you know, I've arrived at the conclusion that it's totally my fault for whatever reason, um, that's going to keep it going. Whereas um, in the course of discussion, if it comes up that it was a random occurrence, it's not anything that the individual did to cause it. And in fact, putting the causation on the victim is allowing the perpetrator to not have any responsibility and get away scot-free, if you will. Those kinds of discussions can really turn things around. Uh, that yes, that is so important, and I think that this is a good point for us to stop and to um, take a break, and then we'll come back. For more information, please be sure to visit Dr. Chris Courtois' website, which is www.drchriscourtois.com. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. While you're listening to the commercials, please go to the list that you created now on that same paper. Prioritize your list, putting first those things that you will commit to doing. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more important information and continuing our discussion with Dr. Chris Courtois. Be the change. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. The best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. Time for a fresh perspective from leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission. 
Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the life doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor. Welcome back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I hope that you prioritize the aspects of spirituality that you want to bring into your life. We're here with Dr. Chris Courtois talking about how spirituality is necessary to heal from trauma. And we were just talking about the difficulties of feeling the pain involved during the trauma and wanting to bury that. But what I often say to people is, I'm not going to get out of this life without pain, and I'd rather feel the pain of getting better with the hope of true healing than to experience the pain of getting worse without the hope of healing. The other thing that we've talked about is forgiveness and not jumping to that too fast and not allowing what's considered to be wisdom out there that you have to forgive to drive us to um, to more of a negative traumatic experience. Yes, Paula, that is a really important issue because one of the things that I've seen um, and, and I consider it a destructive element of um, religion and relig- religiosity if it's imposed, and again, I'm using that word, by a religion, um, and if it's imposed prematurely on a victim um, who's told that you must forgive, you must in order to get over this, and it really takes away the choice that the individual has, their own personal timing, um, whether they can or want to forgive. And a crucial question is in the case of um, a situation where there is a known perpetrator, um, is, has that individual apologized or asked for forgiveness? Um, we often forget about those dimensions. So it's not a forced march. On the other hand, some people, through their spirituality and their religious beliefs, they do feel compelled and they do feel that they want to make the choice to offer forgiveness. So it can go both ways, but what we need to be cautious about is when it becomes lockstep and something that's absolutely mandated, 
and mandate it early before the individual has even, you know, understood what has has happened to them or what the cost has been. When I first started doing um, the work with incest survivors, there was a local church of a fundamentalist bent, and they started advertising that they were doing incest work. And the work that they were doing was premature forgiveness so that the family could be reunited. And reunification was seen as the most important aspect, whereas it wasn't even determined whether the reunification was safe. Um, But they were taking that perspective based on some of their biblical studies um, and the need to turn the other cheek and the need to forgive. So we need to be cautious about that one, too. Absolutely. And I think the other thing is that forgiveness isn't an event that there are layers. It's a process. And yet we also know from psychological studies that forgiveness can really be a good thing. Um, It can be something that is healing and, as as you've been talking about, allows opening um, and allows uh, the individual to get on with things. So I'm not saying no forgiveness by any means, but I am saying that, you know, there's a time and a place and it is a process and it's not a cut and dry event. Uh, exactly, and and I think tied in with that that you've been talking about also is the self of self esteem and control that the person who has been the recipient of the abuse so much of what's happened to them they felt out of control and victimized and helpless and it's I think it's important that the person has control over the choices that they make around forgiveness when are they really ready to do that and to then be able to do it from a different place rather than feel like they're again uh, um, helpless being forced into doing one more thing right right or that they're bad if they don't do it because then that can compound some of the messages that go along with abuse in particular a feeling of being bad. And in fact, I'm going to put a plug here um, in for my book because that's exactly why I named it the way I did. It's not you, it's what happened to you um, so that individuals can understand and make distinctions between what happened to them, whatever the type of trauma, but it gets very complicated when it's interpersonal because it feels like it's very directed. And so keeping those separate and empowering clients to make their own decisions um, are are extremely important elements and they're spiritual. You know, I look at um, trauma, at whatever type it is, as an assault on an individual's selfhood and spirituality. And I think by its very nature, it's dispiriting and, you know, that that trauma and spirituality are extremely um, highly entwined. And getting back to your question about um, psychotherapy, you know, I think that in good psychotherapy is um, has a component of spirituality because what we're trying to do as therapists is to really be trustworthy, to be responsive, to be all the things that maybe a perpetrator hasn't been or what somebody hasn't experienced in their lives so that they can achieve some of the opening that you're... Um, alluding to 
and what you did allude to in your introduction. I love what you're saying. I think that is is so important. And I think it speaks to the fact that people need to shop for for the person who's right for them, who will respect them and listen to their beliefs and where they are and to help them grow from there. Absolutely. And while you're saying that, Paula, let's add another dimension to that. Um, and that's a, that people in positions of authority, whether they're um, psychotherapists or or clergy members, can also be damaging and can be um, themselves abusive or traumatizing, which is a really unfortunate reality. And our society has learned much, much more about that in the last couple of decades. So if any of the listeners have the experience of feeling uh, like they're being um, not listened to, but worse than that, exploited by people in position of authorities with whom they have relationships. Um, it's really important to pay attention to that, that um, these roles carry with them enormous responsibility um, to be aware and to not, and I, I use this um, saying all the time, to do no more harm because individuals who have been traumatized have already been harmed. And we have a sacred obligation um, to maintain the stance of offering them goodness and spirituality and wholeness and not doing any more harm. Yes, and I know you're talking in a very broad sense about um, conversations, attitudes, um, the emotional and psychological impact of what a person in religious authority may say to one of of the people who attends their congregation but uh, or is in their congregation and we've also seen many examples of sexual abuse by the clergy where people yes. are afraid to come forward absolutely and when they do come forward they often don't get treated very well and that's um, also known as the second injury. We've seen that quite a bit with the Catholic Church and, um, you know, with other uh, religious traditions, and um, it adds another dimension. So our job is to be respectful and responsive to people who disclose and come forward um, and to help them with their healing. Yes, um, I, I think that's so important. Um, is is there um, a, another area that you would like to um, share with us about maybe some of the stories from your um, experience of how people have been able to grow through a, a, a spiritual approach? Well, I think that... Um, you know, again, in their questioning um, of um, a God figure or having been abandoned, I mean, one of the things we've also noted is that the view of the divine may be really, um, you know, affected by the individual's own upbringing, um, which may have been traumatizing in and of itself um, if they've had a very disorganized upbringing and parents who are unable to parent for whatever reason, including addictions or their their own trauma histories, their own, um, you know, difficulties. And when that happens, um, 
you know, um, what what we we're we're wanting to do is to help them um, to understand and have a different kind of attachment experience that can um, then, you know, that that they may then apply to their spiritual beliefs or their view of the divine or a God figure who's not angry, who's not um, indifferent to them, for example, and, um, you know, that they can feel more in connection and more in the grace of the divine, if you will, or part of the universe. You know, in your book, uh, Spiritually Oriented Psychotherapy for Trauma, you talked about often the person who has experienced the abuse or trauma will move from a, a, a more religious orientation to a more spiritual orientation. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you'd like to talk. I know that's been my experience, mm-hmm. and, and so I was fascinated uh, about that and how you see that happening and why and what's behind that. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I've seen both. Um, I've seen some individuals, and especially those abused by clergy, and this is really understandable, I think. I've seen many of them move away from organized religion, especially when the religion was used to, or the faith tradition is was used as part of the abuse. Um, but I've also seen a deep mourning that goes along with that, because for many of these individuals, that can involve a profound loss. Um, some of them find their way back to the religious beliefs, um, but more often I have seen individuals um, who then expand out their idea uh, or their view of what is spiritual and find other ways of, of healing that don't involve their organized religion. Um, but it can be both ways. I have um, another clinical story I can tell you is um, someone I worked with for for a very long time who had been viciously abused in her home, she had never lost her fervor in her belief in Jesus as her Savior. And we had many times when she was extremely suicidal. And on during those times, almost miraculously, she'd go home and she'd come back for her next session and I'd noticed that she was wearing uh, a, her cross necklace. And whenever I, I mean, she really trained me because whenever I saw the cross necklace, I was able to relax because I knew she wasn't going to commit suicide. Somehow over the course of the weekend, either through um, religious practices or through her own prayer, she had reconnected with Jesus. She had reconnected with the suffering of Jesus. And she saw her ch- herself as a child of Jesus and a child of God. And so this is where religion and spirituality can really be, um, you know, life-saving and a lifeline, um, just as they can, they can feel like, you know, individuals can feel like they have been deserted. So it can go both ways, and we have um, some pretty important um, research at this point that, that says that both can be assets or they can be liabilities or they can be both. And and it's how we use it, how we choose to view it and use it. And what a beautiful story to end on. Thank you so much, Chris. I truly appreciate the work that you're doing and you're coming on the show and sharing with us so beautifully. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. You're welcome. I'm glad and have a beautiful day. And I want 
thank and you're welcome. And I want to thank my listeners for joining us for Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you enjoyed today's show, please like us on Facebook by going to my website, paulajoyce.com. While you're there, sign up for my newsletter and get the free chapter on my ultimate creative problem-solving process. Browse my resources page for information on the books by Chris and other books, and I have written and also my services, including coaching, speaking, energy healing, past life regressions, or to sponsor one of our my experiential workshops, such as overcoming abuse through self-empowerment, or sign up for 21 Steps for Healing the Body. And if you mention this show, you get a 10% new client discount on my coaching, which I do in person, over the phone, or over Skype. When you work with me, you get support guides and healing from the spiritual realm, literally thousands of angels and guides of a high and positive spiritual nature work through me and directly with my clients. Also, my meetup group is next Wednesday at one at 11.30 to 1. So look into that through my website if you're interested. And next Thursday, please join us when Dr. Larry Dossey, who is our very first guest, will be back to talk about how we are all connected and we are all loved. This is Dr. Paula, your CM or chosen mom as designated by Bernie Siegel. Remember, you are loved. Just let that feeling wash over you and through you. Have a blessed week. Thank you for tuning in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Please join Dr. Paula Joyce and her guest experts next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Until then, have a positive week. Thank you.